Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. All right, well, today I want to preach on the medicine of mercy. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. So most of Jesus' disciples came from the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, that area there, Capernaum, Bethsaida, and most all of them were fishermen because these are fishing villages. And so Peter and Andrew and James and John, others, they're all fishermen. But in Capernaum, there was a tax collector We've talked about tax collectors, right? You know about them. They are collaborating with the occupying Romans. They are corrupt, often violent in their extraction of taxes from their own people for the Roman Empire. Uh, They are disliked, but they are also feared. And anyway, there's there's this tax collector. And he's there in his booth extracting taxes from the fishermen and other people in the, in the town of Capernaum. And Jesus just walks up to his tax booth, looks him in the eye and says, follow me. <laughs> this is awesome. Jesus says, I want that guy. I want that guy right there to be one of my disciples. Yeah, I know. Tax collector, corrupt, violent. I don't want it. It doesn't matter. Follow me. And the wild part is Matthew just does. I mean, he just takes this leap, this like, all right. You know, sometimes our whole life can just hinge on a moment, a decision. It, it makes no sense. It's risky. I, 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 don't, I don't think Matthew got up that morning thinking, yeah, I'll probably end up becoming a disciple of this rabbi Jesus today. No, he was not thinking. But in the moment, he just said, I'll go for it. And he does. And uh, he gives us this gospel, eventually, not, not right away. So, so Matthew is, is embarking upon a completely new life. And he's going to like have, I think of it as like a farewell dinner to his old life. So he invites Jesus, he invites the disciples of Jesus, and he invites his friends. Well, who are his friends? His friends are other tax collectors and sinners, people that have either just left the synagogue or been kicked out of the synagogue. These are the people that will hang out with Matthew. So Jesus, disciples, a whole bunch of sinners. Then you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees saw what was going on and they were offended. They were offended. The Pharisees. Now, you know, let's not, let's not deal with the Pharisees as if they are two-dimensional villains. They are a venerable movement that went bad. Started off great. 
Got on the wrong track, kind of like American evangelicals. Whoa, I'll leave it alone. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. I mean, I mean, remember, even, even the apostle Paul, after Damascus Road, after his conversion, he says, I am a Pharisee. Yeah. Even, so, so he identified, that's where I come from. That's my roots. That's where I come from. So they were a venerable movement that had gone bad for various reasons and become harsh, mean-spirited, judgmental. God was on their side and no one else's. And so they see this Johnny-come-lately rabbi from Nazareth building a following, and he's willing to eat with notorious sinners, have dinner with them, and, and they raise the question. They say to his disciples, why does your rabbi eat with sinners? And Jesus doesn't wait for his disciples to defend him. He answers himself, and he says, verse 12, but when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, in effect, says, look, you want to know why I'm hanging out with sinners? Because they're sick and I'm a doctor. Now, if you're not sick then I guess you don't need a doctor and you're free to ignore me. But these people here, they're sick and they know it and they've done well to come to the doctor because this is what I do. I help people like this. Then Jesus lays some Bible on the Pharisees, you know. It's always fun to lay the, some Bible on Pharisees. And he says, you guys need, you know, you're all about the Bible, I know that. You need to go learn what Hosea 6.6 6 really means. Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Now later, when the Pharisees again went after Jesus, this time over, over uh, how he observed the Sabbath, they didn't think he was strict enough in his observance of the Sabbath. These are, these are two things that regularly incited the ire of Pharisees toward Jesus, who he would hang out with and how he did or did not observe the Sabbath. And when they went after him about that, Jesus again quotes Hosea 6. He says, you guys, I'm telling you, you need to go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So you get the feeling. You get the feeling that Hosea 6.6 was one of Jesus' favorite Bible verses. He likes that one. And, and more than just like being a favorite, it's one of, for Jesus, it seems to be one of the interpretive keys for the rest of Scripture, for how we read the Bible. See, the Bible's a big book. There's all kinds of stuff. You can find whatever you want pretty much there. And so you need some, you need some key verses some interpretive keys that help you interpret the rest. And it seems that for Jesus, Hosea 6.6 was one of those. Now, let me tell you something about the Bible. The Bible is always powerful. To quote scripture to someone is always powerful, whether as a weapon or as medicine. 
because it can go both ways. Without a proper interpretive key, the Bible can be just ammunition. Every verse a bullet that you load in your judgmental gun and let people have it. I mean, there is the reality of a weaponized Bible that people use against people they disagree with. That's a real phenomenon. The Bible without the spirit of Jesus is poison. It's deadly. The Bible without the spirit of Jesus kills. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, he says the letter of Scripture without the spirit kills. Um, we can wound people with the Bible just as easily as we can heal people with the Bible. I mean, seriously, now, how many of you, it won't be everybody, but there'll be, how many of you at some time in your life have been wounded by the way somebody used the Bible on you? Look, and some of them are like, their hands are like, oh, raise both hands if that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. And I know what happens. Well, Jesus is the word of God who shows us how to handle the biblical word of God. Jesus is the true, ultimate, perfect word of God who shows us how to properly, responsibly handle the scriptural word of God. Now, we all emphasize some parts of the Bible over others. Certain verses become our interpretive key and say, well, there's all these kind of verses, but I'm going to interpret um, most of the Bible by these interpretive keys. Now, some people disparage that. They call that cherry-picking the Bible. You're cherry-picking the Bible. I want to tell you something. Everybody cherry-picks the Bible. Everybody. It's just a matter of whether you admit it or pretend that you don't. Everybody does. I do it. You do it. The apostle Paul did it. Jesus did it. And Jesus is the one who will show us how to do it well. How to make Hosea 6, 6 and some verses like that interpretive keys that preside over the rest of the text. Jesus stresses that if we really know God, we will emphasize what God emphasizes. And at the top of God's emphases, it's not rules, it's not ritual, it's mercy. So when you're hanging out with the wrong people, learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You're not keeping the Sabbath right. Learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus prioritizes mercy above rules and rituals. I promise you, the Pharisees had their Bible verses to support their position in criticizing Jesus for who he kept company with and how he kept the Sabbath. But Jesus says, mercy is what God really wants. It's not about rules. It's not about ritual. It's about mercy. So, for example, God's prohibition of eating shellfish is not everlasting, but his mercy is. God, you know, the Bible prohibits you from eating shellfish. Leviticus, I know the Bible, folks. Leviticus 11.10, you can't eat anything out of the sea that doesn't have scales. And not only can you not eat it, you're supposed to detest it. It says it. You can look it up, not right now. 
Leviticus 11.10, not only can you not eat it, you have to detest it, but I don't. In fact, I love it. I mean, I, I confess to you, I love oysters. I love clams. I love scallops. We had scallops last night. A little over season, a little over season, but no, I made them. It's not Perry, it was me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little too much seasoning, but they're good. I love them. Bible says I have to detest them, but I don't. Well, so God's biblical prohibition against eating scallops is not everlasting, but his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. That's Psalm 136 where it says it 26 times. His mercy endures forever. I should say it 26 times, but I'll spare you. His mercy endures. Although that'd be a pretty good sermon right there. His mercy endures forever. Jesus then connects mercy with the work of a physician. Jesus says, why do I keep company with sinners? Because they're sick and I'm a doctor. Now go learn what Hosea 6, 6 really means. I desire mercy and not rule keeping. Let's say it this way. Jesus is the physician who treats sinners with the medicine of mercy. Jesus is the physician who treats sinners with the medicine of mercy. Most of us in the Christian Catholic Protestant West need to rethink our basic understanding of sin. Instead of thinking of sin primarily as legal guilt before a law court, which that's the way we tend to mostly think of it in the Christian Catholic Protestant West, we should think of sin more like a disease that has infected the whole human race. There's this terrible pandemic that's infected all of us. Guilt is not an inherited condition. You are not born guilty. I, I know there are some theologies, they're bad theologies, they're wrong theologies. There are some theologies that posit the absurd notion that a little newborn baby is born guilty before God. Nonsense. It's ridiculous. Absurd. It's not true. Uh, no one is, is born guilty. Uh, guilt, guilt is not something you can inherit. You do not inherit guilt. You can inherit a genetic disease. And that's more in line with what has happened to us. It's not we're born guilty. We're not born guilty. Uh, but we can inherit. We can't inherit guilt from our first parents. We can inherit a spiritual disease of sin. So we're all born innocent, but we're also born with what we might describe as a spiritual genetic flaw that eventually will begin to show symptoms. Just give it time and sin will begin to manifest. We all know this. So we're not born guilty. We are born something wrong with our soul, some sort of inherited disease. Now, a good lawyer, I come from lawyers, you know this. A good lawyer can win your case in court, but you're still who you are. I mean, a good lawyer can get you off the hook, but it doesn't change you. 
It changes your status, but it doesn't change you. A good lawyer can beat the case on your behalf and get you off the hook, but it doesn't change who you are. Jesus is a physician, not a lawyer. And he doesn't want to treat your case. He doesn't want to say, oh, I'll take your case. I'll, I'll take care of this problem of guilt. No, Jesus is not a lawyer saying, I'll take your case and I'll get you off the hook. Jesus is a physician says, I don't want to treat your case. I want to treat you. I want to treat you. I want to get you well. You're, you're, you're not as well as you could be, not as well as you need to be. I want to treat you. And here's the thing. This physician treats patients for free. <laughs> yeah, for free. He said, yeah, I don't have, I don't know if my insurance will cover Jesus, Dr. Jesus. It doesn't matter. This physician will treat patients for free. The only thing Jesus asks is that you admit that you're a sinner and you need treatment. He says, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. If you say, well, I'm not a sinner, Jesus, well, then you don't need me. If you won't admit you have a problem, a problem with sin and you need to get well, uh, then Jesus, well, then you don't need me. But if you just say, I, I'm a sinner. I finally figured this out about me. That's my problem. I'm a sinner. And I need, I need treatment. I need to get well. Jesus, I'm on it. I will treat you. I will help you. Jesus thinks of sinners not as bad people, but as sick people. And he says the sick need a doctor. So to confess you're a sinner is not to say you're bad or condemned. It's simply to say, I agree with, I concur with the diagnosis. This is the problem I have. I'm a sinner, but Jesus is my doctor and he's healing me. So we don't have to pretend. Listen to me, church. In-house, online, listen to me. We don't have to pretend here that we don't have sin. Only Jesus is without sin. Only Jesus. Not any of you, not me. Only Jesus. And you know what? That's enough. Jesus is the only human being without sin, so he's going to have to save the rest of us. We can't save ourselves because we're all infected. Jesus is the only one without sin, and so he'll have to save us. We like halos in old pictures, rarely in our friends. Let's save the halo for Jesus. And the rest of us can just admit that we're sinners in treatment. We're all under the care of Dr. Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes we relapse. But for the most part, we're getting better. If, if we'll just stick with Jesus, just stay with Jesus. Just be with Jesus. Come to the hospital on Sunday mornings. Get with Jesus every day. Just stick with Jesus, stay with Jesus, and you will get better. You know, now and then you have a relapse. It happens, I get it. But for the most part, stick with Jesus. You'll, just, you'll get better, you'll get better, you'll get better. And we are fully convinced that because of Jesus, someday we'll be entirely well. <sighs> someday we'll be entirely, all shall be well and all shall be well. All manner of sinners shall be well. Jesus is the physician who treats sinners with the medicine of mercy. 
the medicine of mercy. Don't think of mercy as merely restraint. When you get your little brother down, you know, you're, you're pinning him to the ground and you make him say mercy. <laughs> don't think of mercy like that. Uh, don't think of mercy as restraint or a courtroom verdict or a stay of execution. Think of mercy as medicine. Medicine that heals. Mercy is the oil and wine poured upon poured into the wounds of the victim on the road to Jericho. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh painted that, the Good Samaritan, painted it in 1890. I think he painted it right after he got out of a mental hospital. He'd had a mental collapse. And I think he's aware of how he needs mercy. So he paints the Good Samaritan. You see, you see there, up on the horizon, there's... There's the priest, he's passed by, no help. There's the Levite, he's passed by, no help. But here's the good Samaritan. He's poured the oil and the wine in the wounds of this unfortunate man. And now he's putting him on his own beast. I'm going to take him to the inn. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan, isn't he? Look, the... The priest of religion isn't going to help. The Levite of the law isn't going to help, but Jesus will help. Jesus will do that. Jesus will pour in the oil and the wine. He'll pour in the medicine of mercy. He'll take care of you. And the thing is, when Jesus gives the parable of the sermon of, of, the, of the prodigal son, when he gets done, he says, go and do likewise. So Jesus expects his people to also be those that extend mercy. Sometimes the mercy of Jesus is supposed to come through his people. We are, we are to, we've received the mercy of Jesus and then we're to, we're to give mercy to other people. In Jesus' name, mercy. In Jesus' name, I give you mercy. In Jesus' name, I give you mercy. So that when we deal with people harshly because of their sin, we are guilty of spiritual malpractice. Jesus will say, what are you doing? That isn't how we treat the sick. We don't treat them with harsh judgment. We treat them with mercy. That's how I treat you. Now you go and do likewise. Pour in the medicine of mercy, the oil and wine. Now one symptom of sin with which we're all infected, one symptom of sin is that we imagine that sin must be dealt with through harsh punishment and judgment. And the more infected with the disease of sin our mind is, the less regard we have for mercy. We come up with all, yeah, but God's holy too, brother. And we come up with our justifications for being mean-spirited towards sinners that don't have the same sin we have. <laughs> this, this, this is the Pharisee problem. This is what happened to the Pharisees. They began to pretend that they weren't sinners, that other people were sinners, and they thought the way to deal with it was with harsh criticism, harsh judgment. Now listen, sin is a lethal disease. And sin itself will punish us plenty. It isn't that when we talk about mercy, we're not talking about that sin doesn't have consequences. Oh no, sin has consequences. It's lethal. And sin, our own sin will punish us plenty. 
But the treatment that can heal sinners is not the harsh application of the law. That doesn't help at all. Paul tells us that. This is New Testament stuff. Paul tells us that that approach only aggravates the condition. You know, that's Romans 7. The law cannot heal, the law cannot save. What heals the sinner is the mercy of God. What heals the sinner is the medicine of mercy. If we won't be healed by the mercy of God, guess what? We won't be healed at all. If the mercy of God doesn't heal us, then nothing's going to heal us. And if we're not healed by the mercy of God, it's because in some way, for some reason, we refuse to receive deeply the mercy of God. We have some sort of disposition against mercy. I want to be a merciful person. I really do. Some people, though, they, ah, mercy, that's for the weak. Mercy is for the wicked. I'm not weak or not, not wicked. I don't need mercy and I don't give it. Well, you'll be in trouble then. Uh, we deceive ourselves into thinking we don't need mercy. We, need, we all need mercy. All of us do. Or we deceive ourselves into thinking that we don't deserve mercy. Sometimes that happens. Well, this, the deserving has nothing to do with it, my friends. Jesus offers us the mercy of God because God is merciful. This is, this is God's nature. This is who God is. And Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is. Jesus gives mercy. Not, it has nothing to do with deserve or not deserve. It's who God is. And so the mercy is offered to us freely. It's as simple as that. Jesus is the physician who treats sinners with the medicine of mercy. And so this is the genius of the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is not begging Jesus for mercy. This is filling your prescription. <laughs> Jesus says, I've looked over your case. The problem is you have a bad case of sin. And I'm going to treat it with mercy. I'm going to have mercy. I'm going to give you mercy and the mercy is going to heal you. Dr. Jesus has prescribed the medicine of mercy for your condition, but you still have to take it. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. Take it four times daily, 40 times daily, 400 times. Just hook me up to an IV. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. In my evening prayers, there's a, there's a section at the end where it's, it's, tw it's 12. Lord, have mercy, 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 Lord, have mercy. Somebody says, you think you're going to be here, heard for your many words? No, I'm just hooking up to the IV. I'm just letting it just flow in. The medicine of mercy flowing into me. So you, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, yes. Every time. Every time. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Yes. And there's a dose of mercy right there. 
Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Yes, a little mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Yes, a little more mercy coming into you and doing its good work in your soul. And what is communion? That's the highest dose of mercy right there. This is, this is strong mercy. You know what it is? This bread and this cup, this is communion with the body and blood of Jesus. And the body and blood of Jesus is the incarnation of mercy. That's, that's, that's mercy. This, this, is the, this is the highest dose possible of the medicine of mercy. And so we come week after week at the beginning of the week. The first thing we do before the week begins, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go into the hospital and get the strongest dose of mercy I can get. And that's the communication of the body and blood of Jesus into our very being. So stand up with me. Don't despair over your condition. Don't despair. I know sometimes you're, you're frustrated. And you, I can't, and I, I don't, don't want to be like this, but it's got a hold. Don't despair. Jesus is your physician. Come and receive treatment from Jesus. Just, just, you say, how do I come to Jesus? In a moment, you walk down this aisle or wherever they send you. And you come up and somebody will say, the body of Christ broken for you. It is. Take the bread. Someone else will have a cup and they'll say, the blood of Christ shed for you. It is. Dip the bread in the cup and receive the strongest dose possible of the mercy of God. You're going to take your medicine, but sometimes we, we say that sounds negative. Take, no, this, this medicine, taste and see the Lord is good. This is good, good, good medicine. And it's going to go deep into you and it's going to begin the healing work. So let's, let's get ready to come to Jesus right here. Let's do it first of all by, by confessing how we believe in Jesus. Join with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's come and receive the forgiveness of the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sin and in humility ask for the medicine of mercy. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.